Hey there. I hope you are having an amazing day or evening, of course, depending on when you're here. Today, we are going to be talking about how to tell the people at work what you need and ask for what you want. So stay with me. You are listening to the Career Talk Learn and Grow Thrive podcast, where we talk about all the things career related. I tell you how it is and we get right to the point. I'm your host, Stephanie Dennis. My background is in HR, which is what I have my master's degree in. And this is a good time to mention this podcast does contain adult language diving on in. So tell them what you need, ask for what you want. Just like our personal relationships, people at work are not mind readers. I know, shocking to everybody. Uh, Well, most people, because you know, there are some, but that's not the norm. So anyway... So anyway, we need to be the ones who are speaking up and realize that we are our own advocates, right? People aren't more often than not going to just automatically know what we need and want because we are human and every single person is so very different. So what I need at work might be very different than what my colleague next to me needs at work. And the things that we want that will help us feel more successful also probably will be very different. So for example, a recruiter might need a way to track applicants, but we might not agree on what is the best ATS or applicant tracking system to do said tracking. So getting on into it here, here are some tips on how to tell them what you need and ask for what you want. Number one, think about what tools are mission critical to your job and then let your team and or your manager or leadership or whoever is the appropriate person at your job or at work, let them know. For example, as a recruiter, it's pretty damn mission critical that we have some place for people to apply to jobs. (laughs) Right. And so we need a job board and a way to track and navigate and help people through the interview process. That is where an ATS, again, applicant tracking system comes into play. Now, do I need the most expensive, the most fancy, all the bells and whistles ATS? No, definitely not. Like we could probably figure it out with a bare bones situation. However, you know, this is a good way to kind of help figure out what's a need versus a want. If I need just any way to track that, great. Now, do I want one that's going to make it easy? That's going to save a ton of time? That's going to optimize the candidate experience? Of course I do. So what could be become conversation around tools and like software, things like that could be time being a big factor. Let's say you have a system that costs $10,000 a year, but you have to spend about 10, 15 hours a week, basically manually doing a lot of that work. Whereas the other one might cost $20,000 a year, but you literally click a button and everything is done for you. If you look at your salary, 15 hours a week, that's just under a part-time person right? So again, that can be part of the conversation, but what are the mission critical tools to do your job? Number two, what tools would make your job easier to do or what tools already make your job easier to do? So that kind of second half of that question comes into play when we're evaluating all of the tools, right? So let's stick with the ATS example. Let's say we have a two-year contract with a particular vendor. We are about 18 months into that contract. It might make sense. We've already decided the ATS is mission critical. We want to do an RFP on some others and figure out, do we have the right one? Do we have the one that makes it the easiest that it possibly can be? Oftentimes, we have different software and different systems coming out all the time. And if we've been with one for two years, we may not know about some of the other cool ones that are coming out. So it might make sense to do some evaluation because something that might cost the same might actually make your job a whole lot easier. The implementation may not be a breeze, but usually software companies have an implementation team that will help you with that. As someone who's implemented an ATS, I say that because yes, it was a lot of work, but it also, it wasn't super hard work. It was just a lot of work. (laughs) 
Number three, what does the data tell us? Good data, good analytics always build a really good business case. It's really hard for business-minded folks and executives to argue with data. So if you can, where possible, do even if you don't know the data, do some research. I'm sure someone on the internet knows something about whatever it is you're trying to look into and build that into whatever sort of request or uh, presentation or email or whatever it is you're putting together to ultimately tell your team what you need and asking for what you want. Number four, ask yourself, how is your workload? So think about, again, tools, system, process, headcount, optimization changing, etc. All of that can help. So if we have one tool that's going to save you 15 hours a week, okay, well, do we really need that part-time person? Maybe, hell yeah, we still do because we're underwater big time and you're working 70 hours a week. So that 15 hours a week still doesn't even get you to a normal workload. Cool. Roger that, Batman. Rock on with your bad self. But sometimes it's like maybe you're just barely hitting 40 hours. And if you get this tool that can save you, let's say 15 hours and you optimize a couple other process workflows, maybe that gets you to around 40 and that's the sweet spot. So there are ways that tools and process and systems can help with hours worked. Number five, what sort of feedback do you need? And are you getting it? So for example, I'm a person who, you know, in a regular one-on-one, I would love specific feedback and I want to know frequently, am I on the right track? Is there anything I should change? And it's not like, oh yeah, Steph, because you're doing a good job, you just want to hear it. No, it's because if there is something I need to change, I don't want to wait until the end of the year or the end of the quarter or every six months when it's performance review time to learn about that. Because then I have made whatever that is that I need to do better. I've made that a bad habit for a long time. Time. No, thank you. I would rather fix it sooner rather than later. And maybe you want your feedback because you work more project-based. So you want your feedback at the beginning of a project, the middle or the end, or maybe after every project, whatever it is for you, just understand what sort of feedback do you need and ask yourself, are you getting it? And if not, put it on your needs list. Number six, ask for suggestions from your team. Peer feedback and suggestions and ideas, never underestimate because that is very valuable. Number seven, host a collaboration session. Maybe you know there are things that your team can be doing better and you have maybe like one or two things, but you're like, oh my gosh, I know there's more. I know there's so much more. I just can't think of it right now. You don't have to know all the things by yourself. I know, crazy, isn't it? Host a collaboration session, brainstorm session, whatever you want to call it, or just make shit better. Well, I don't know, depending on what type of company you work for, that might get you in trouble. But you know what I'm saying? Number eight, ask and network with others in your field. Sometimes we do get stuck and maybe we are the only person in our company doing a thing, right? And we're kind of stuck and we're not sure. Like, I know I could do this better, but I'm not sure. Reach out. Even if you don't know anyone in your field, go to LinkedIn, connect with other people and say, hey, like, I know we don't know each other. I saw we do similar work. You know, would you be interested in connecting and, you know, having a conversation? Because if you're struggling, more than likely, They have, or they know someone else who has, or they are. Number nine, whether it is a need or a want, it's always going to be in the form of a request. We're always asking. We're not going to dictate. Often, if we're just like, you need to get me this, that will shut someone down pretty quickly. Most people, I should say, versus, hey, we're really struggling with this. We're doing a lot of manual work. If we did this, it would save us a lot of time. Is there a way we can work this into the budget? If not this year, can we put it in for next year, right? So there's an always be prepared because budgets are usually done on an annual basis, which is super annoying, I know. However, it is what it is. It's also a huge, huge undertaking for executive leadership to do budgets. Uh, So I get why they would only want to do it once a year, but ask. And if it's not a now situation, If we can't find money, maybe we can 
next year. Number 10, make sure we're talking to the right person. And that doesn't always mean a senior leader. It doesn't always mean an executive or someone from the C-suite. And more often than not, it's going to be our direct manager. But sometimes it might be someone else. So just be sure to understand, I guess, the players, the key roles in your organization and who that right person would be. Number 11, try to avoid any emotion-based requests. So let's say this thing happens. I get really mad. I get really upset. My feelings are hurt. And because of this, I want to implement this whole new thing. When in reality, whatever this problem is happens like once every 10, 15 years. So yes, it may feel like a big deal to you and it probably is, right? Because our feelings are valid. And we always have to look at things from a business perspective. Our executives are running businesses. So if it's a problem that really isn't an actual issue and it's not a legal issue, there might be things that are more emotion-based that just aren't feasible in the workplace. So try to avoid any emotion-based requests. And I simply say that because sometimes they won't get granted. But if you're like, Steph, this is really important. I can't let it go. You can always ask. Again, we're always asking. It's always a request. The worst you could hear is no. Number 12, try to put a positive spin on the conversation when you actually do speak with whoever it is you're going to be speaking to. Um, You want to spin things positively. So with this tool, we can save this amount of time per week, which will give us, let's use our ATS, right? With this particular ATS, we're going to save 10 hours a week sourcing on average. That will stick with the ATS example. So if we went with this ATS, we're going to save 10 hours a week on average with things we're doing manually right now. That could also allow us to spend 10 more hours per week on sourcing candidates who are passive, assuming you're currently having roughly a 40-hour workload. If you're doing 60 hours, that's just going to give you a little bit more sanity back in your day. So if you are doing something to save you time, but you're already way overworked, do not reallocate that time. Give it back to yourself. Number 13, evaluate the best way to approach your request. It could be in person, it could be video, it could be on the phone, it could be email, it could be chat, it could be a presentation, it could be a report, and it could be a mix of some of those things. Maybe a Slack, I don't know, depending on what it is, right? You know you, you know who, probably you know who the person you're going to be requesting it from, and you know your business. So take all of those things into consideration when you make your final decision on how you will put in that request. Number 14, take out the fluff get right to the point and use clarity. This one's pretty simple. Review the request, reread it, read it again, share it to a friend. It is better to be very crystal clear to the point, no bullshit, than it is to write a novel and have someone look at it and be overwhelmed and not even want to read it. Number 15, think about the reasons why you would be told no ahead of time and then create your case or your request or your presentation or whatever for those objections. So maybe it is going to be in the form of, you know, possible anticipated questions or FAQs or, you know, you can find like a fun way to do it. Or even it could be a section on these are things that, you know, concerns I initially had and then, you know, whatever it is for the objection there. But you want to anticipate what those are going to be and think ahead there. Number 16, I touched on it briefly, but um, be mindful of budgets and budget planning. Again, maybe it's not this year. Maybe your company does their budget planning in September, October, and they can add it to next year's budget. But you want to make sure it's put on the radar way ahead of time uh, because oftentimes when managers are getting closer to that time of year where budgets are going into play, they have a lot going on in their head. So you want to plant the seed and so then they can kind of keep that ongoing list of things they want to do for the budget for next year. Number 17, benefits, benefits, benefits. If you've ever been in sales or heard anybody talk about sales, features and benefits, right? (laughs) 
But how is this request going to benefit you, benefit the team, benefit the company? Focus on that. Number 18, think about resources. So use facts, use cases, use links, videos. Instead of making your request, I think this is going to help a lot. Here are seven business cases of organizations that are just like ours. Maybe they're software as a service companies who had a team similar to ours. They were in the same similar startup phase as us, you know, Series C or whatever it might be. And here's how it helped them right? Hint, hint, if it is a vendor that you're wanting to work for, these vendors usually have said business cases (laughs) because they want you to buy their shit, right? (laughs) So I'm not saying you have to recreate the wheel. I'm not saying you have to do all this on your own, but I'm just saying, hey, I think this would really, really help us. No, no, no. Like apples to apples. Here's the case studies. Boom. Here you go. All right. I hope that was helpful, valuable. If you have a topic you want me to cover, reach out, let me know. You know if I can help, I certainly will. As always, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here, listening. I appreciate it. Check out more information over at the website, stuffdennis.com. You can support the show simply by listening, sharing with a friend, monetarily, Venmo, Cash App, and PayPal. You can also use Spotify's new monthly donation subscription option. Link, of course, below and leaving a rating and or review. You can find me on the socials, stuffdennis13, Instagram and TikTok, and then um, Instagram over at Career Talk Podcast. We are written, produced, hosted, and edited by yours truly. You are so amazing, so awesome. I hope you have a lovely rest of your day.